Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Amen. How are you guys doing today? All right. So we're talking about righteousness. I just took the same line from uh, last week. What's love got to do with it? What's righteousness got to do with it? So we're going to learn about that today. Uh, You guys with me? We're going to engage. We're going to lock back in. Um, Speaking of righteousness, if you have a communion cup on the ground, just make sure you grab that. So, yeah, I just want to give a, a two, two quick shout-outs. Uh, you know, as, as John mentioned, Dennis Wilson lost his mother. We want to let you know. I'm sure they're watching from home. We love you, bro. We're praying for you, and uh, we're with you. Um, also, you know, seeing how, what Mo shared on stage, I just think that really can embody probably a lot of the weight of the medical community in general has been carrying for three years. So I really feel like it's an opportunity also and a reminder for us to just keep encouraging uh, those people that have worked in that field. Because I can't imagine uh, the amount of pressure and stress uh, that they've been under over the last three years. Amen. So last week we talked about love. And obviously love is at the core and the foundation of everything we do when it comes to relationships. It is the most important Christian virtue that we have. And it's not just our version of love, right? It's not just like how we think we should love people. It's loving people. It's growing in our ability to love people the way Jesus did ultimately. And um, you might be wondering because the the theme right now is uh, uh, spiritual relationships. So what does righteousness have to do with spiritual relationships? Like what does it mean to be righteous? And, you know, in studying this out and learning a lot about it, Um, Righteousness is not about just being Mr. and Mrs. Holy all of the time, 24-7. Righteousness has everything to do with honoring our relationships appropriately. So we have a relationship with God that we honor. And when we honor that relationship with God, we're considered righteous before God. And then we have also relationships with each other, right? And when we honor these relationships that we have with each other, we're considered righteous with each other. Now, it is possible to be righteous with each other and unrighteous with God because, for example, thieves, they steal, they, they rob a store together, they say, we're going to split it, uh, you're going to get this amount, I'm going to get this amount. If they fulfill that obligation, they're considered righteous to each other. Now, that doesn't mean they are righteous before God. So it all starts with righteousness before God, but it doesn't mean that this one uh, between us is not important. So we're going to talk about both of those things today. Amen? So... I'm going to share a quote with you guys here. Uh, this is um, from, from a book, Righteousness. It says, rather, righteousness is in the Old Testament, uh, the fulfillment of the demands of a relationship, whether the relationship be with men or God. So another way we can look at this is being in right relationships. Righteousness is about being in right relationships with God and each other. Um, and we, we just can't have the right relationships with each other if it doesn't start with us and God. We won't know how to navigate uh, all the different, you know, 
I'm like I'm a super challenging person. You know, if we're gonna be friends, you're gonna have to forgive me a little bit, right? In our in our friendship. And don't act like you're that awesome all of the time either, okay? Like we all got <laughs> we all have some things we gotta grow in, right? But it all starts with our relationship with God. Amen. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about this. And here's an example of, and I mentioned that with God and with each other. Here's an example of righteousness that Jesus had. And it, this was when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3, 14 through 17, it says, But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending um, descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I'm not sure that Jesus needed to be baptized by John for his own sake, although I'm sure we can debate that theologically. But Jesus was also behaving in a way that was right before God in terms of being baptized and right before John the Baptist in a sense because this was prior to the kingdom of God coming, like this new covenant relationship. And so John was operating as a prophet, essentially, still of the Old Testament, right? And so this honored what God had established. And so Jesus was operating in a righteous way, even though he is the supreme authority just came to earth. Yet he was still willing to be baptized by John the Baptist, right? So you can have all the authority, but still be, behave unrighteously even, right? That's a little mini lesson there. So, and we're going to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21. It says, For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. This isn't about people pleasing, okay? I think we can read these and be like, oh, man, so now I just have to please everybody. No, no, no. It's just about doing our best to first make sure we are righteous with God and doing our best to make sure that we are righteous with each other, that, these, that this concept matters to us, Right? And I think that's a good thing to think about as we go through this. How much does it matter to you to be right with God? And then how much does it matter to you to be right with the people around you? Right? Especially when they make you mad. How much does it matter then, right? All right. So we're going to talk about that. Um, so first, though, it's God's relationship with us. And thankfully, God is righteous. Amen. God is righteous. He takes care of us. He looks out for us. He fulfills all of his promises to us. And uh, it's just awesome that we, we don't have to worry about if God's going to hold up his side of the bargain. So in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read a lot of uh, Colossians 3 today. In verse 1 through 4, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So setting our minds on something means to make it our heart's central focus, right? So we can actually make, make our minds that we're, we're, we're fixating on God, right? That that's our focus. That's the focus of our hearts is we are focused on the things above. We are focused on Jesus, Right? Is, that, is that our heart's central focus today? 
Are we setting our minds and our hearts on things above? Yes, we have to tend to the affairs of this life. Like we have to work. We have to, you know, do our homework, these kind of things. We have to do that. But earthly things must not be permitted to take precedence over the things of God. You, that's up to you to make sure it doesn't take precedent, right? We have to, and we can help with that. We can say, hey, something looks a little bit, but at the end of the day, fight that battle. It's worth fighting to make sure that things of this world don't take the throne in your heart, right? Does God, is God, is Jesus still on the throne in your heart today? We cannot permit these things to take the throne in our heart. We have to be a little bit angry when, we, when, when it gets there, like that indignation. No, no, no. It's not happening. Jesus has the throne. Jesus is in my heart. You're not, you're not going to creep in there. All right? Because you can feel when it's starting to happen a little bit because you start to act a little funny. You know? <laughs> so people start to let you know some things. Right? And then you deny it. Like, no, no, no. I'm okay. I'm okay. And finally you'll have that, you know, come to Jesus moment. And you'll probably apologize. Right? But we don't have to let it get there. Today we have the opportunity to make sure that Jesus is on the throne in our hearts. What is the central focus of your heart? Your life is going to be a thousand times better if you're able to make the central focus of your heart things above. Where they're secure, where they're safe, where nobody can take them from you. Nobody can rob it from you, right? It's safe with God. Remember that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Make sure your treasure is in heaven. Amen? Make sure your treasure is in heaven. It's not in your grades. Your treasure is not, should not be in your grades. Despite how many teachers tell you that's where your treasure needs to be, right? Your treasure should not be in your job, right? I understand we have, to, we have to work, right? We have to make a living, but our treasure shouldn't exist there. Your treasure should not be in your car, your house, your status, in the current events, in the political climate, whatever's going on, right? Your treasure just has to be with God. It has to be with God. Otherwise, you are going to move as your treasure moves, Right? So if something happens with your treasure, it's like, oh, today was great and tomorrow's awful. And now I'm just hurting everybody's feelings. Right? So make sure your treasure is with God. All right? A major theme in the New Testament is that no one is righteous. Right? This is, this could be encouraging or discouraging because at least we know the, the level field is uh, even. Right? Or the, the playing field is level. Wow, wow. 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 So yes, we know that. Right? Because no one is righteous. So if you're thinking, wow, I'm like the worst, you know, I got all these problems, you know, don't worry. No one is righteous, okay? No one is, all right? Teens are like, amen, you know. Like, so you're saying my mom and dad aren't righteous? Like, oh, I'm going to, no, no. You didn't hear that from me, although I just gave you that. John 6, 28 through 30 says, uh, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? They might be wondering, what do I have to do to be righteous? And here's the answer. Here's the answer. It says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It can't be that simple, right? It can't be that simple. Like, I'm a, work, like, I'm a workaholic. I, like, I, I work. I enjoy working, okay? And uh, that could be a place where I put my treasure, right, and just working hard. And so, so wait, so Jesus is saying here that the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. Is that hard to believe for you guys? Like that that's, that that's what God is asking of us, to believe in him. You know, works do not define our relationship with God. Our relationship with God defines our relationship with God. 
So if I was to ask you, how's your relationship with God right now, you could probably give me somewhat of an answer, right? You, you kind of, you have a feeling for like, are you and God connected right now, right? Are you and God close right now? Are, are, you, are you talking? Are you on speaking terms with God right now? How often do you talk? You know, if I went a week without talking to my wife, where do you think our relationship would be? Probably wouldn't be that great, right? If I went even a, a whole day not speaking to my wife, how would our relationship be? Probably not awesome. We could maybe sustain it, you know, and we could the next day, you know, but it still wouldn't be great that day. So why do we all of a sudden think it's different with God, right? If you want to, God knows you, right? God knows what's going on, but how come, why do we withhold sometimes from God? Why don't we just go to him? Why don't we just talk to him about what's going on, right, in our lives? How are you doing today with God? How is your belief? How is your relationship with God? In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, read that in a sec here. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law of the prophets testify. The righteousness is, give, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, this is so hard to really actually believe. And teens are like, yep, this is a hard one to believe. Like, wait, you're just saying that I'm considered righteous through my faith in Jesus. That I'm credited the righteousness of Jesus because I have faith. And yes, that, that is what he's saying. Is that you're credited Jesus, what Jesus did is credited to you through your faith in him. It doesn't make sense. It's really not fair to Jesus or God for that matter. But... Amen for God's righteousness, love, and mercy, right? So you might say, well, I have faith, so I'm good. All right, we'll see. Do you have real faith? I'm not talking about that I'm pretty sure God has a plan kind of faith. I'm not talking about that. Like, I'm talking about no matter what happens, God still loves me kind of faith. I'm talking about that I know 100% that as hard as this situation is, God is going to move through it kind of faith. I'm talking about the kind of faith that's rock solid, that you know even amidst your trials that God is working something out that's going to be amazing. Because it's when the trials hit that you'll find out if your faith is for real or not. That's where you learn if your faith is for real. It's not when times are easy. It's not when times are easy. Like, it's, it's very easy when you, if you play teams. When your team is winning, it's very easy to be nice to all your teammates. Like you get along real well. A locker room is awesome, especially when you just had a win. But when times are hard, that's where you find out who the real ones in the locker room are. Right? That's where you find out who's really going to be with you as a team through thick and thin. And so we have an opportunity to see right now, how has your faith been? How has your faith been through the trials? Do you believe, are you 100% certain that God is working out an awesome plan? Do you know that to be a fact? And this is where we all feel like, God, increase my faith, right? God, help me in my unbelief. You know, you see those exclaims to God in the Bible, and Peter was one of them. You know, we got to have the faith that says, even when, everything's hurt, even when everything seems hopeless, I have hope because of who my God is. The type of faith that says, I don't need anyone to be accepted. You know why? The creator of everything has accepted me. 
The faith that says, even though my feelings are telling me this, God knows better than my feelings and I'm going to trust in him. Amen. This is the kind of faith that makes a difference, a real difference in our lives. It's not just knowing that there's a God and that he probably, you know, he created all of this. And then you kind of, you know, that's not, it's like what, having specific faith in your specific situation, right? And applying that faith to your specific situation and, and cashing in uh, on those promises. Like we can do that. Like as a child, it's like he's given you these promises. He wants you to take them to the bank. It's like, God, I got to cash in on this promise today because I need it. I need it. You know, so many of the promises that we have in the Bible, uh, they do involve us partnering with God in those promises. And I want to share a few of those with you guys. And, and we're, we're thankful that God, we don't have to worry about if God's going to live up to his side of the, the agreement. You know, it's like when my wife and I got married, we made vows and... Uh, I feel often that I fall short, right? And she's probably worried sometimes, like, oh, man, like, you know, I'll, like, no matter what, I'm always going to treat you right, and I'm always going to be polite 100% of the time. And it's like, you know, some of us set ourselves up when we make our vows, right? It's like, look, 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 remember you're human. But I still aspire to it. Does that make sense? Like, there's room in this relationship for both of us to continue to grow into these vows that we've made, Right? But with God, it is 100% certain. If he said it, it's happening. Amen. And amen for that. And so here are a few of them. Mark 9, 23, you know, everything is possible if you believe. Right? You can bring that to the bank. God, you said everything's possible if I believe. Well, I need it right now. I need this to happen right now. What, it, you know, in Philippians 4, it talks about whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's noble. Think about such things and the peace of God will be with you. You need some peace? Here's... Here's what you can do, right? Here's how you partner with God. This is your part, actually doing the thing, so thinking about such things, and then experiencing that peace. Some of us are like, God, like I'm not feeling the peace that you said you're going to bring me. Well, did you do this part? Did you think about these things, right? A lot of us expect for the promise without the partnership, right? We want the promise, but we don't, we don't partner with God, right, to get it. When Jesus healed people, he would often ask, what do you want me to do? It wasn't just this boom, boom going around, right? It was, a, it, was, it was a relational thing. You know, Jesus was always working through these relationships. Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. You, need, you want rest? But okay. He says, come to me. You got to go to him. And you say, what does that look like, Pat? I would probably figure that out if I were you. What does it look like for you to go to Jesus? Right? That's how you answer that question. You, you know, if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll be guided in the answer to that question for you. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and righteousness. Right? And all of these things will be given to you as well. You actually don't need to worry about anything if you seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. Right? Do you believe it? Right? Do, church, do we believe these promises? Because I know I struggle sometimes. To, like, is this for real? Or is this like... I know I, I really do have to do something, right? Like, it can't just be that I think about these things and I feel peace. Like, that is way too good to be true in my, in my mind, the way I think. Like, surely I got to do so. I got to work, right, to create peace, right? And so, and, and I want to read in James 4, 1 through 2. Here's another uh, good one in terms of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? 
Do they come from your desi- don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have. So you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Do you bring your complaints and your petitions to God first and foremost? Who do you bring them to? And we can, with, the, with a lot of these promises, here in the church, we can kind of write them as prescriptions almost to each other, right? Like we can say, okay, I, can, I tell you, you don't feel peace right now. All right, let's, let's consult the good book here. All right, here's, okay, meditate on p- p- uh, love, joy, p- you know, okay, boom. All right, let's, let's think about these things together. How about right now? Let's write down 10 things, right? The things that are noble, things that are pure, things that are holy. How are we feeling? Right? Do we feel peace yet? Not totally, but we're getting there. All right, let's keep going. Boom, 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 right? And so we can do that with each other when we know our Bible well, right? When we know where these promises are even lie. We can do that for each other. We got to go cash in on them, though. Let's go cash in on these promises. And I think we can, we can do that shamelessly. When you think about the woman that went to go uh, to get the judge to, 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 to hear her case in the Bible, she went back time after time after time, you know, expecting that she will be heard. And, and we can do the same thing. I think the question is, is do you really believe? Do you really believe, though? Because that's... That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. That's what Paul is talking about. That's how we're justified, by, that, by faith, real faith, authentic faith. And we can grow in that, church. We can grow. No matter where you are today in your faith, you can grow. Our faith can grow. It's, it's, an, it's amazing. We can share it with each other. We can read, about the, read, it, read in the word of God and increase our faith. We could pray to God to have our faith, and he, can, he will give us more faith. So you don't have to, wherever you might be, you don't have to stay where you are. I want to share a story with you guys. This is when I was going through, I was going through a tough time. Uh, many of you guys know this. My wife and I, we served on the mission field in Madrid, Spain. And um, while we were there for a couple years, it was, it was challenging. I love, that church is my family. I consider them like my brothers and sisters. I miss them. There was a two-year period where we felt very, like, lonely, right? Uh, partly because Lamisha was still learning the language. And there was also different things that were going on because it's the mission field. So obviously it's going to be challenging, right? And so we're there for two years and we come home to like a conference that was happening. And we're already feeling like abandoned. I don't know if you ever felt that way. But, you, know, you feel like no one cares about you. You're off on the mission field. Like you're, you're left to do your own thing. And why aren't people calling me? Why aren't people encouraging me? No one loves us. Like don't you know it's hard over here? So I was feeling all of these things. And uh, so then we go to this conference. Um, this was in, I think it was St. Louis, you know. And, and we're there, and it was awesome, and the music, and all, like the first song, we're crying. You know, just like, whoa, this is crazy. You know, seeing all these Christians in, in one place, and uh, it was really special. And so then we, we were, were listening to a lesson, and uh, they were talking about how the European Mission Society was going to send over missionaries to Madrid, Spain. And, and we're like, oh, this is awesome. Like, they're going to shout out Madrid and stuff. And, you know, there's that part of you deep down, like, maybe they'll mention, like, our name or something. You know, like, just, just real, nat- like, I was, di- you know, I wasn't in a great place, guys. Okay? I wasn't in a great place. All right? And, and lo and behold, the announcement comes. And who do we see on the screen? Will and Kristen Lambert, 
who I love to death. I love, I love both of them. They're, they're amazing because they were going to go lead the church, right? So Misha and I are sitting there. We're watching this, and we're like, huh, okay, okay. <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed you don't care, you know. You definitely don't care now, you know. And so I'm get, we're getting in our feelings about it, you know. And uh, God always has a way of, of teaching us something, right? Um, so... I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, this documentary, uh, which I'll, it's called Searching for Sugar Man. And it, I'm going to give you, it's going to be a spoiler alert, but it was, came out a long time ago. So that's on you. Um, so, so this is a story about uh, uh, an artist in the U.S. He was in Detroit, and he released a couple albums. And basically, um, from a U.S. perspective, they, they, they flopped, these albums. And... He lived a, a Spartan lifestyle, I guess you would call it, intentionally. Like, he, he, didn't, he didn't make a lot of money. He always just, he enjoyed working. He just was to himself kind of guy. And if you ever hear him talk, you'll get that sense. He's a really quiet spirit kind of person. And so he, and so he you know, he was on the scene for a second. No one really bought his album uh, in the U.S. And then he just kind of, like, fell off into the distance. And, and Misha and I are watching this and because people were speculating, like, oh, something bad happened to him on stage, or they were even saying, like, he, yeah, yeah, all kind of stories. And, you know, those myths that come out about people when they just fall off, you know? So it was like, oh. And so this documentary started because these guys wanted to track him down and see what had happened. Well, what had happened, okay, was that he was more famous than the Beatles in South Africa, all right? This guy, but never saw one royalty, never saw one royalty, from any of it. So he had no idea that although he was living in Detroit, he was famous in South Africa, more famous than the Beatles in South Africa. Didn't see a dime of it, okay? Now, now I want to share a video with you guys when he arrives in South Africa after, through this documentary that made this happen. This is Kofi, go ahead. It was almost as if he didn't even have to play. They were just happy to see him. So for, for a time, I think, they, they wanted to meet. It was reunion. It was, a, it was something completely different. It was, for everybody there, I'm sure, the most exciting concert they'd ever been to because it was unique. We'd never seen Rodriguez. And then all you heard, do 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 and Rodriguez wandered out to the front of the stage and the bass player actually just stopped playing. And it took a while. It was about five or ten minutes of just people screaming at him. Thanks for keeping me alive. You know, it's, it's such a crazy story that all that, because this is decades later that he had that kind of a welcome. And so what does that have to do with our situation? I'm watching this feeling nobody cares. Nobody even knows what we're doing over here. No one knows the sacrifice and what this has done to, like how this has affected us and impacted us, right? And I'm thinking all these things. And then we watch this documentary. And I just start crying. I'm just crying because I'm like, 
That's what it's going to be like when we go to heaven. That's what it's going to be like when we go to heaven. There's going to be a party. There's going to be a celebration. It's okay that no one cares. Right? It's okay that we're not getting the, this, this, what we want, right? That people aren't congratulating us or saying how awesome we are. It doesn't matter because when we see God, there's going to be a homecoming like you've never experienced in your whole life. Right? That's what we have waiting for us. And then the story gets even crazier because right after we moved to Southern Connecticut, right after we moved to Southern Connecticut, what happened was, sorry, you can go back to the last slide, but actually don't worry about it. I got it. What happened was is we pull up, we pull up beside the Klein. And you guys know the Klein in Fairfield? So it turns out that they were playing Rodriguez at the, right down the street here. So this was right when we came back from Madrid that they actually happened to be playing Rodriguez. So Misha and I, of course, buy tickets and we go watch Rodriguez. So it was like this really cool full circle for us of what God was doing in our lives. But I'll, all right, moving on. We're going to talk about man. Now, hold on to that thought, though. I don't actually don't want to move on. So hold on to that thought, especially when you feel hurt, especially when you feel like no one cares, especially when you feel forgotten. Because I know a lot of people in here have been grinding. A lot of people in here have been fighting. A lot of you guys in here have been just doing everything you can just to stay afloat. Hold on to the reality that at, at, there's going to come a time, right? There's going to come a time where there's going to be this insane homecoming. We get little mini versions of that here from time to time. But the big one, it's coming. It's coming. Hold on to that. Believe in that. Have faith in that. Amen. So mankind's relationship with one another. We talked about this, right? Now we're going to talk more, more about this. So mankind's relationship with mankind. So the one another passages, they do not constitute a list of scriptures that tell us how we ought to be. They represent the struggle of God through his word to accurately represent the nature of righteousness. Whatever action or thought that breaks down a relationship or destroys unity is simply unrighteous. That which builds up and promotes unity is righteous. Right? So we're going to read in Colossians 3. We're going to talk about some relationship builders and busters. Okay? Colossians 3, 5 through 14 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator." Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity." So why do we have sinless, so to speak, in the Bible? Are they just arbitrary? Are they, are they random? They're not arbitrary, nor are they totally exhaustive. They're kind of getting at, here are the things that destroy relationships. Here are the things that cause fracture in our world. Here are the things that cause things to break down. And so, so we, I want to share from this passage some of the builders and busters for, uh, relation, um, I'm sorry, for relationships. So relationship 
So we got our relationship busters, right? This is sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, language, lying. You can see how on this side, right, sin, you can see how all of those things can hurt relationships, right? And, you know, prior to me being a Christian, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right on pace with, with a lost life, okay? Um, so, and, and guess what? I had a lot of destroyed relationships, and my own soul, for that matter, was being destroyed in the process. And then you have your relationship builders, right? And this is where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with people and forgiving, and love. You can see why God has these, these, these particular sin lists, right? Like he calls them out. Because when they just go and run wild unchecked, it destroys relationships. It starts fracturing our society. And then we ask ourselves, how can God allow suffering? Well, why did you allow it? By sinning. Because you're part of the whole problem if you're allowing this stuff to just go rage on. Because the greed, you don't think greed on a, on a macro level totally destroys our world, right? Like if greed is, is part of the decision-making process when it comes to, you know, big policy-making, like can't you see how, so you say, oh, well, God, how do you allow it? No, no, no. What are you doing about it with yours, with your sin that's in you, right? Because unless you've repented of it, then you're a part of the suffering in the world, right? Like, we, and that's, yeah, that's, that's hard to carry. And thank God that Jesus carried the punishments of that for us, right? So through our faith, we don't have to have that punishment. And so, but on the flip side, we have an incredible opportunity to shine like lights, when we build our relationships, when we show compassion and kindness. I was thinking about kindness the other day. I, I came from, I, I grew up in Maryland. I guess you consider that southern. Uh, but Lamisha, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're from New Orleans, you don't consider Maryland southern. Um, but my wife is from New York. New York is a little colder, you know. You're walking around. People don't say hi to each other, that kind of thing. In Maryland, you know, if you make eye contact, it's pretty normal to just be like, hey, hey, how's it going? So Misha and I are walking one day, and I make eye contact. I'm like, hey. She's like, what are you doing? You don't have to, like, greet people here. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's so awkward if I make eye contact and you don't say anything. Like, that's just weird. Anyways, I was just thinking about kindness, you know. I was like, oh, man, this doesn't feel kind to me. But, you know, but anyways, kindness, right? Just think about this. I was thinking about a definition or how would I define kindness. I think kindness is recognizing that somebody has a lot going on that you're not aware of. I think that's what kindness is. It's, it's understanding that somebody has a lot going on that you know nothing about. And because, because you're leaving open the possibility that this person has a lot going on in their life, you choose to be kind, right? And so we have this, that's shining like a star in this world, right? Humility, are you kidding me? Like, I'm willing to be wrong about my opinion. You don't see a lot of that, right? You don't see a lot of that. <laughs> There's some strong opinions, right? I got some strong opinions too. All right, but humility is like, hey, I'm willing to be wrong here. All right, help me. Let's workshop this thing. Let's figure this out. Amen. All right. So if you have, and I'm I'm coming in, I'm gonna come in, I promise you, for a landing. So if you have rage, thymos is the Greek word, like a thermos, right? It keeps things hot. I don't know, maybe that was it. That's just me. Uh, it's a state of intense displeasure based on some real or perceived wrong, right? So the old you rages out. And when the old you rages out, right, and it doesn't have to be outwardly, by the way, but when the old you does that, you hurt a relationship. You're hurting, and that matters a lot to God. It actually matters more to God than 
whatever's currently the thing you're so mad about. It's like how you treat the other person when you're mad, right? So the new you, this is, this is how it's supposed to be as a Christian, right? You, you died to your old self. You were raised again to a new life. And this new you, instead of raging, is very forgiving. You're super forgiving of a person, right? And then the, I guess that end there is like, uh, you know, the goat goat mode of spirituality, right? When you get into the great, like, that's like Jesus, the prophets, you know, I don't know if anybody's there in that side of the spectrum. Um, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? So you can figure out where you are on that. And guys, we can train for righteousness. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up with this passage. We can train with righteousness and we should train for righteousness. We got to train to be righteous. It doesn't just come naturally, to be righteous and to care about our relationships more than my emotions or more than my strong opinions or the perceived hurt. Like that is not going to come naturally. When you feel hurt, all, all that comes into your mind is like, ah, you know, like self-defense. Okay. So you have to train for situations, right? This, is, this goes back to whatever field of work you're in. I'm sure you train for certain situations at your jobs or in, at school, right, fire drills. It's, it's not that, imagine a fire drill happened and you never trained for it. What do you think school is going to look like? It's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts, right? So we also have to train, even situationally, to be righteous in the moment. And this passage says, all scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Guys, it is possible to be right. Like, you could be right about something. You could be totally, you could know the truth. You can have the access to the secret, the secret sauce. And you can know the truth. You can be right, but totally unrighteous with other people. I could be, sometimes I could say to Lamiche, uh, you know, I, I, I did, she says, you didn't put your shoes away. I could say, no, I did put my shoes away. And let's say I'm right. And she's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, no, you're crazy. What do you mean? I put my shoes away. See, you're always trying to like, you know, guilt me about something. Like, where's the love, you know? And then I'm reading scriptures, right? So was I right that I put my shoes away? Yes, 100% accurate. But was I righteous in the relationship? So what matters more to you? To be right or to be righteous? Right? That should matter way more. Way, it's not even close. It's not even close. How we interact with each other matters more than if we're right or wrong. And I've, I've, I've done this, okay. I've focused on being right. I'm, I get fired up, as you can see, about topics and certain things. And then, then I'll get a call from my parents one day and they'll be like, they'll hit me with like a truth bomb. And I'm like, oh, I don't like the way that that felt. And I realize, oh, I do that to other people sometimes, right. I got to repent. I don't want to just hit people with truth bombs. So guys, as we wrap up, how is your righteousness today? With God, right? How, how's that going? How's that relationship? How is your relationship going with people, right? Let's work on that, guys, together. Let's leave here and work on that. Let's have faith. Let's be righteous. I know the struggle is not easy, but remember that we have a homecoming waiting for us in heaven if you stick to it and do not give up. Thank you, guys. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.